0: the doorstep of the 2019-2020 Serie A season, waiting to be let in. So this is the perfect time uh, to bring you the season premiere of Serie A sit-down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. It is Preview della la Madonina. Uh As of this recording, Parma and Juventus kick us off in five days' time. Um, I'm Frank Crivello, your host, and uh, with me as always, co-host and... Um, YouTube celebrity Richard Carmen, ciao Richard,
1: <laughs> ciao Frank. It's been a while since we've uh, we've talked over Skype.
0: Oh, I, I only like talking to you on this podcast. That's that's the only time it works. I quickly <laughs> come to realize that. Yeah, yeah. We How can't have like a regular. We can't have like a regular conversation, um, like off the podcast. It just would be too weird. We'd have, yeah. you know, it, it, I have to have a mic, uh, and I have to be away from you. I have to be in a remote location. So, yeah. How, how's
1: your summer been, man? How's your summer? Good summer.
0: Uh, pretty good summer. Went, went by way too fast, uh, you know, as I'm sure everybody's summers do. Uh, so um, watched a little bit of the Women's World Cup, tried to watch what I could of the uh, Italy uh, under-20 and uh, under-21 teams, and uh, obviously uh, took in a little bit of preseason. I don't watch too much of it, but uh, other than that, uh, a lot of time with family, a lot of time on the golf course, so... Uh, can't complain. How about you?
1: Yeah, uh, summer's been pretty good. Been busy, obviously watching you know the soccer that you mentioned, and uh, you know chasing around my little my little infant here, my little toddler. He's a toddler now. He's got, we're celebrating his one year birthday coming up next week. So, yeah, it's just been a crazy whirlwind summer, and uh, glad to see Calcio back, sir. So, yeah, I'm excited to see all the changes with all the new managers and new players. So,
0: uh, yeah, I can't stomach these these first two weeks of of, of Premier League, and then. You know, La Liga last weekend, I mean, uh, the, what, jo- what Joao Felix did was, was absolutely filthy, too. Gatafe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you almost want to slap Morata for missing that penalty, but uh, that's as much La Liga promo I'm, go- I'm going to give. So um, we have a guest to help us break down this preview. He's earning his fifth cap with the Serie A sit-down. He's a Roma supporter. He's the editor of AS Roma Press. He's featured in uh, official AS Roma's website and Euro Fantasy game. He is the host of the Serie A show. Our worlds are colliding for this preview, and uh, it was safe for him to come on this one because there is no Roma game this weekend to curse. So uh, those of our loyal listeners do know uh, that there is a Roma curse with this man. So John Solano
2: is joining us sans Roma match this weekend. Ciao, John. Hi, guys. How are you?
0: Doing great. How are good, you?
2: How's good. your summer? Uh, summer again, just like you guys, went way too fast, but uh, the, the city uh, is back. So I'm I'm very excited, very excited, and not only for Rome. I, I think this season will actually be a lot better than the previous one, which, in, in my opinion, was, was pretty weak.
0: I, I agree. I think this is going to be a great season. Um, I think that there's a—and we'll talk about this a little bit later—I think there's a legitimate title race this season. Um, when I take a look at things, I, I like how many teams across Syria have uh, built and strengthened their squads for this season. Um, I think there's going to be drama just about every week, um, and it's going to be nice to finally talk about it. We don't have to talk about that hideous new Syria logo. Uh, we don't have to speculate who VAR is going to screw this season. We're going to find out, um, you know. And now uh, we're going to just get to the get to the Calcio, which is uh, which is pretty awesome indeed. So. Um, Nima Tavali may or may not be joining us here on this podcast. Uh, we're trying to track him down. Uh, if he does, he'll earn his third cap with us. Uh, and then uh, also from the Serie A show, Chloe Beresford unfortunately uh, fell ill. Um, Chloe, we wish you well. Hope you feel better. Uh, but uh, we do have the uh, the host of the show uh, joining us. So let's just get right to it because there's so much to talk about. Um and uh, it was an interesting summer, to say the least, uh, as we talked about with how the 2019-2020 Serie A season is taking shape. Um, each of our own teams had some significant changes in this period, uh, and let's just take some time to talk about it. And, John, I'm going to give you the floor to talk about Roma a little bit here, a, a number of changes uh, taking place over the summer. So uh, give the listeners and give the Roma fans that are loyal to our podcast uh um, a little, a little bit of a uh, recap of what's gone on this summer, and then maybe something to be excited about, and something to be grouchy about.
2: Well, it was certainly a summer of of changes, and it, and it needed to be. I mean, anybody who watched Roma for more than five minutes this past season realized that it, it was a poorly constructed team from top to bottom, and they needed wholesale changes this summer. Obviously, with the departures of uh, Ramon Monchi, uh, Eusebio Di Francesco in March, that was sort of the, the beginning of this sort of new reborn Roma that clearly probably should have happened a year ago. There were, uh, again, um, I, I think we reached this point simply because Monchi had two summers that are borderline criminal, some of the worst that we've ever seen in the city, for a big club at least. Just such a terrible tenure since he came everybody likes to point to roma making the champions league semi uh, semi-final but um i mean Monchi had as much to do with that as i did so uh uh, this summer really there was a need for a lot of changes and you know it all started with gianluca petracchi arriving from torino and uh, it was very awkward. He was working for Roma while he still had a contract with Torino. He he went and held talks in Spain and Madrid with uh, Pablo Fonseca before they appointed him as the new manager. Um, so it's been really weird because I've never seen anything like it. Um, we actually got a picture of him arriving back from Spain and took a picture of it, published it. And there were some people at Roma not too pleased with us that we did that. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Listen, um, If Roma had even a half-decent goalkeeper, in my opinion, they would be in the Champions League right now. Um, Robin Olsen, for example, one of the worst goalkeepers you will ever see at a a big club in Europe, was one of the reasons, in my opinion, that Roma finished outside of the top four. Uh, Monchi's reluctance to sack Di Francesco sooner also had a lot to do with it, but... There was just such a lack of individual or lack of individual quality in some of the purchases that Monchi made. That Roma, in my opinion, were really really held back by by their sporting director this past season. So, uh, Petraki had a huge 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 task um, that he had to undertake this summer. Um, I mean, just some of the changes he's made have been astonishing. That he's been able to accomplish. Um, so much in such a short time. I mean, if it were up to me, you know, this transfer market for Roma would extend into December because it's just the amount of changes they need are, are just far beyond what this current market will allow them to do so. But listen, if you want to get excited, Roma finally have a, a, a proven sporting director with a, a proven track record in the stadium. He's a very pragmatic sporting director, whereas Monchi likes to take the risks, uh, maybe spend money on, on a younger guy who is, uh, a bit unproven, uh, sort of like he did with Genghis Under. Um, Petrachi, on the other hand, is not going to take these huge risks. Very pragmatic. We've seen what he's done with Torino, uh, with Mazzari. Very pragmatic. Again, he's going to bring in players that fit the style of his manager and, paulo fonseca in my opinion is another reason to be optimistic uh listen if roma were not going to be able to get sari or antonio conte i think paulo fonseca was the best next name that you could end up with um there were rumors that it could have been to from Sassuolo, that was never going to happen but if that did happen there would have been anarchy because that that he just doesn't play aesthetically pleasing football it sort of would have been a retread of Eusebio di Francesco. um so I think what Roma and Petrachi have done in the market, bringing in Paul Lopez uh, from Batiste, they spent a club record on their goalkeeper, um, bringing in names like Jordan too from Fiorentina, Spinazzola from Juve, Diawara from Napoli. Um, I, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic because, again, I think if Roma had a goalkeeper that was even mid-table uh, to relegation level worthy, they would be in the Champions League right now. And the reason why they're not is a lot of individual mistakes by some of the purchases that Mulchi made. So um, not to sound like, uh, you know, this is like a line from the office, but there is sort of a sense of uh, addition by subtraction by some of these guys who aren't going to be (laughs) in the team this season um, because they, they, they they couldn't afford it for a, a second season in a row doing this this gambling that they did with Munchie. So I, I think we're going to see some stability this season. And I, I actually do think that they will qualify for the top four.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're, I think, the wild card when you look at the top seven, if you will, um, <clears throat> as, as we enter the season. Uh, we kind of y- y- – we know that uh, we know what Milan's reputation is, what Giampaolo's reputation is at least with what he's done at Sampdoria. Now he's at Milan. We know, Antonio Conte is obviously the big name. At Inter Sari, going to Juve. You know we we're kind of getting a little bit of an idea, some continuity with Ancelotti. We'll talk about all of this later. But Roma to me is the wild card. Um, and you know how quickly they can adapt. Uh, the team can adapt under Fonseca. Um, how quickly the new signings can adapt. Um, that. Uh, you know, and then goalkeeping—it can't get any worse than Robin Olsen. You're right. Um, I mean, I think it just shows how good Allison is. Right. Um, but um, you know, I think that they're the—they're uh, the wild card in all of this. They could finish in the top four. I when I did my rankings two week uh, two weeks before the season started, I had them seventh, just because I think they're a little bit of an unknown entity to me um, with some of the changes it made. One quick question I have for you, Paula Fonseca. I mean, what do you see from what you've watched, at least from preseason? Is there anything you're seeing? Tactically, that shifts from what you saw under Di Francesco and then Ranieri?
2: Well, they like to play an extremely high line, which which is uh, a little worrying because, I mean, anybody (laughs) who watched them in that first leg against Liverpool, um, I mean, you live and die by the high line. But they do play different in attack. Now, obviously, very attacking side. Um, they really like to have a midfielder who sits back and sort of dictates the play, sits right in front of the defense. And that's going to be Diawata, who is a guy that I have loved for, I think we're going on three or four seasons now. Uh, Aroma had a deal done for him in the summer of 2016. Instead, uh, they decided to keep uh, Leandro Paredes instead of selling him to Milan, which to this day is a travesty. Um, should never have happened. Should never been allowed to have happened at Aroma. Um Now we see Paredes at at PSG, and he's been doing terrible. But, um, yeah, I I mean, what I've seen, very attacking. Um, Now, with Di Francesco, a lot of the play was dictated on the wing. And and while that's similar to uh, Fonseca, you're not going to see uh, Alessandro Florenzi hoofing in crosses, uh, 30 crosses a game and making only four of them successful. Um, that, that's really the difference that I've seen a lot, uh, you know, under Fonseca, the wingers really like to play more centrally than you've ever seen them play with Eusebio Di Francesco. So I think that is the, I, I think that's the, biggest difference that you're going to see uh they press under Fonseca they also look like they press a lot better under Di Francesco. that's something that was really hit or miss their pressing would either be great or it would be terrible so in my mind those are the two distinct differences that we'll see um I mean Ranieri I mean it's I don't even know what you would call his football because his last few months at Roma were a little. He was ba- babysitting. He was babysitting. Yeah, I, I mean, he didn't really implement <laughs> anything. It was more so just put out the fire um, and get them to qualify for the Europa League. He wasn't really. I mean, uh, he was doing a lot of the things that annoyed people with def- uh, that that annoyed people under Di Francesco. Uh, Patrick Schick playing alongside Jako with two strikers, uh, Zaniolo playing on the wing things that nobody really liked to begin with were still happening under him but again for him it was just putting out the fire but under Fonseca they clearly have an idea of how they want to play and they're implementing it and they they I mean they've looked very very strong in the preseason at times other times they've been lacking but um against uh Real Madrid they didn't look bad at all so um how that correlates into the city I yeah, will we'll have to wait and see um but they're Their calendar is extremely, extremely, extremely kind during the first two and a half months. And I have a little bit of a 2013-2014 feeling to it where Roma rallied off 10 uh, victories to begin the season under Rudy Garcia after uh, essentially the same situation. They had to overhaul the entire team after uh, Zeman got sacked the season before. They were coming off a devastating Coppa Italia loss uh, in the final to Lazio. Um, so there's a lot of parallels that you can draw between this season and 2013, 2014. Um, so we'll do, we'll, you know, we'll have to see how they adapt. But there's been so many changes, um, as you said, you really don't know what to expect. But um, it certainly can't be worse than last season. Certainly can. Certainly, right? certainly, certainly. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know,
0: a lot to again uh, for me a, a wildcard team in all of this, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things go. Uh, Richard, um, we don't need both of us to talk about Milan, so you can go ahead and uh, give a recap of uh, what the summer was, uh, what Milan fans can be excited about, what they can be grouchy about.
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting summer uh, to be a Milanista. It's uh, a lot of changes on the team, both with personnel on on the pitch, but also off the pitch as well. Uh, obviously, Boban takes uh, takes the the cake and all that, but you know, if we just look at the players in general, like players that, that left. Um, uh, you know they got rid of some dead weight like Gustavo Gomez uh Christian Zapata Stefan Simic uh, even Patrik Cotrone, who many of the many of the hardcore fans were displeased to see him go but i mean from a business standpoint it made sense i mean he he plays a very similar position and role as Christoph Piantic, and you know he wasn't going to beat Piantic and in, in in terms of the starting lineup so um he that was had to, my exact that was that was my, i'm sorry that was my exact reaction to the
0: Lutrone sale i was not bothered by it i mean and there's a lot of people that you know you don't just keep people who love the shirt. And if someone's offering you twenty million for somebody you're not even going to use, right. Just take the twenty million. So I, yeah. you know, I I hope he does. I hope he does well at, at Wolves so far. He's off to somewhat of a decent start. I think he had an assist in the uh, yeah yeah he did uh, Europa League uh, second leg. He's he's good at playing teams like that though. We know that already. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's that, that that was my take on the Couturone sale. A lot of people were pretty emotional about it. I I wasn't. It's like meh. We need the you know take the money. Uh, if, uh, you're
1: not going to use him, Take the money. Yeah, and initially I was I was upset, but then when you look when you look back at it, you're like it makes sense business wise. He's not going to get on the pitch. Might as well get money for him. And, and it, it worked out because a lot of players they needed to fill in some spots and they had to get some money to to pay for these players. Like Rafael Leal, uh, they got from Lille for about 28 mil. Um, Teo Hernandez from Real Madrid for 22 million left back there, which is a big need that they had. Uh, Ishmael Benasser from Empoli, defensive midfielder. Uh, Leo Duarte, center back for. Lamengo, Radic Krunic. Um, there's a lot of names for you know in, in a season where Milan was going to be playing in Europa League. They you know they they turned that down. Um, it was many wondered whether they're going to spend a lot of money or be able to spend a lot of money. And clearly, Milan are still spending money to get players. Um, these seem more. They're not just not, you know, a couple of years ago when we bought the 11 players or whatnot. there were big name, big name, so quote unquote big name players. Spent you know, almost 200 million euros on that. Uh, this year, it seems like they, they kind of planned it out more. It's more younger players now. Um, so uh, that's an interesting move. I like the way that they're going about that with the club. Um, you know, things to be excited about, obviously, is Gianpaolo, um, Well, there is uncertainty with, you know, uh, how how his teams have been consistently playing during the season. You know, home, they were beasts with Sampdoria on, on the road. They were terrible. Um, the attacking style of football that he brings you know, Milan hasn't seen an attacking style of play in how many years? Many years, probably since. Probably since Satchaloti, I don't know. So, um, it, the the fans will be getting to enjoy the team, the the quick passing, uh, that that has come to know with uh, Giampalissimo, if you will. Um, so that's something to be excited about. You know, something to be grouchy about is obviously there's no there's no Europa League or anything like that. But, um, watching this preseason thus far, while we know it's a it's a project and it's going to take some time to get used to, so far they really haven't done much scoring wise. Uh, Pianta hasn't got any goals. Um, the, the team is taking a while to find its places. I mean, you got Barini still playing in the lineup, uh, and, and Castille, who, who, who's a, who's a formidable player, I guess, but, uh, the team hasn't shown you much yet that they're, they're, they caught up to the tactics with, with, uh, Gianpaolo. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword there. So with him. So, but, uh, I think, uh, Milan fans have to be excited because they actually got a tactician now behind the bench as opposed to Gennaro too. So who we all love as a player, but, uh, he, wasn't quite, he didn't quite cut the elk of a, a Milan manager. How do you cut elk? <laughs> I've never heard of that before.
2: <laughs> now, wait a minute. I have to bring this up. So, Giampaolo, um certainly a guy that I, I think he's a decent mid-table manager, but I believe it was either 2012 or 2013. He went AWOL while managing Brescia because of the uh, the pressure got to him. Yeah, This is clearly his first big job since that time. And
1: he thought there was I mean, pressure could, then. This is more pressure now.
2: Well, well right. I mean, I, I, not to be condescending at all, but I, Sampdoria is clearly not the level of Milan. So, I mean, I, that scared me to death because he was also linked to Roma. He was linked to Lazio. I mean, there were a lot of clubs that were actually eyeing him. Um, I, I, I couldn't believe that this talking point was just sort of being put next to the wayside. I mean, this guy disappeared For 72 hours, nobody at the club could get a hold of him because he lost an important match. Uh, I mean, to me, that is crazy that that sort of got like overlooked. Um, I mean, that would terrify me.
0: You know, two things that, uh, you know, that worries me about Gianpaolo. The other thing that and and my mind has been put a little bit at ease in the preseason just from what I watched uh, watched some of the Bayern game, watched some of the Benfica game, watched a lot of the Man United game. Um, by seeing how the team was playing, how they were performing, the players themselves are are saying that they really like them. Uh, you know, to paraphrase them, to to, to paraphrase them, they're basically calling him a tactical freak. Um, you know, which is something that I think Milan needs. They've had this recycling uh, or carousel, if you will, of former players that. Aren't, you know don't quite have the experience for the big gig. this is obviously a promotion to Jampaolo you're right. Um, but let's see you know let's see what happens let's see what he does. the thing that worries me about his system he's very stubborn in his 4312 and the, th- the comment that I've always made about his Sampdoria sides was that they were very easy to find out. now is it going to be different with Milan because there's a little more money to spend and there's a little bit more you know to attract there in terms of talent? Uh, Than there would be at a, a Sampdoria. Uh, that's that's the real question. Can it work at a bigger club, and uh, can it be harder to figure out? I thought there were times where Sampdoria were very predictable in how they played, uh, how narrow they attacked, and I saw elements of that in the preseason. And I, you, but the effectiveness which, to which Milan were playing, which they were attacking and creating chances. You know, Suzo as a trequartista, I thought was a disaster waiting to happen. So far, it looks all right. Um, you know great but uh from november to march can you do it because that's where the real criticism from milan fans come from including myself that there's that space he's he would be a perfect fit for arsenal for Arsen wenger's arsenal where <laughs> once the rain went sideways and the winter came he would just fit in right with every one of those players they don't play nearly as effectively or as beautiful as they do when the sun's out and the and the pitch is nice and fast so um but uh those are the things that concern me about Giampaolo you know the Brescia incident certainly but can his tactics and can his style of play get a little too predictable so we'll have to see how it works with a, a, a higher level of player at Milan than, than maybe what he worked with at Sampdoria sure um, okay so that's uh, I'm going to just do my best to try to uh, on, on behalf of uh, your uh, co-hosts uh, John uh, just talk a little Fiorentina and Inter and then we'll all talk Juventus together here shortly um, Fiorentina, new ownership, Rocco Comiso taking over, um, <clears throat> uh, finally the uh, Della Valley, they've moved on from the Della Valley family um, and uh, from, from Chloe and from more so Fiorentina supporters that I know of, the feeling of the, uh, the previous regime was, was not very positive. Uh, Comiso is seemingly taking on things uh, and has put an injection of life into the club. Uh, I like their signings. I really like Eric Pulgar going there. Um, they get Kevin Prince-Boateng for cheap, and maybe he's not what he used to be, but that's a, that's a lot of experience he can offer that team. Milan Bedell coming back on loan, and then Poliola uh, coming over from Sassuolo. Those are nice additions, but the most important thing is that uh, Chiesa is still there, uh, and it seems that Comiso is committed to keeping him there. Fiorentina is committed to building a team around him. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. He's always going to be the talk of, uh, transfer rumors, whether it's Juventus or Inter or, or abroad, but, uh, for now he's, uh, he's still with the viola. So that's something to certainly get excited about with Fiorentina. Uh, what to get grouchy about is Vincenzo Montel is still the coach. Um, and he will give you a burst of good form. And I think that we've experienced that as Milan supporters, John, you've experienced that as a Roma supporter. He'll give you a burst of good form, and then he'll, he'll his his tactics, his style, he'll totally flame out, and the results will go with it. So, you know, they dodged amazingly, dodged a relegation last season, and I only say amazingly because Fiorentina, as a club, should have no business being in a relegation fight. They got uncomfortably close to one last season. Um, it should be better this season, but you just worry about when montella wears out his welcome because he seems to do this at every club that he's at would you agree
2: yeah i i mean he doesn't have a long shelf life i think his first tenure at Fiorentina, i don't want to say was um the exception to the montella rule but he just hasn't shown the tack uh the tactical flexibility that's warranted um I mean, for me, his teams are extremely easy to read. They play one way. Um, he he just really struggles when teams are able to understand his way of playing. He, I've always thought that he needs to be more flexible with his formations as well. Um, I mean, we hardly ever see him deviate from that 4-3-3. Now, they have done some different things in preseason, which I think they need to do because it looks like at this point, they're going to be playing with Boateng as sort of that false nine role, which is incredibly weird to me because this only started, this only started with him as Sassuolo. Uh, you you, you uh, touched upon that they kept Chiesa, which is obviously very very important. Um, I mean for me, it's going to start at the back with them because their their midfield was cut. Wide open last season. purely the opposite of pragmatic. He he would do such stupid things at times. You almost wondered what yeah. in the world he was thinking. Um, but I have to say, they're welcoming back Dragowski, who. Listen, you can point to a lot of things that went wrong at Ed Bully this past season, but he was one of the few high. He was one of the few highlights. He was so he almost, strong. He almost
0: kept them up on the last day.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was so strong, and he absolutely warranted all of the attention that he's gotten from several clubs throughout Europe this past summer. So um, I I hope this team is able to – I hope Montella is not the one standing in their way because I do think they have potential. Uh, You mentioned Polgar is a huge coup in my opinion. Um, I can't believe Bologna let him go so easily, especially knowing Walter Sabatini. He's a guy who's working there now. Loved Pulgar for a number of years when he was at Roma. Um, I, I just hope that, again, Montella can show some flexibility. Um, and maybe he can get something out of Simeone because he was terrible this past season. Um, maybe Montella can strike some some magic in him and, and sort of relaunch him a bit. But sure. I'm not going to hold my breath because, again, tactically, he, he really leaves a lot to be desired. And for Nima Inter, I mean, what's
0: not to say? I had the fun started when Godin joined for free, and now you have a back three of Godin, De Vrij, Skriniar, with Andanovic in goal. It's, to me, clearly going to be the best defense in Serie A, um, better than even better than Juve's. Um, good luck scoring on that. And then they upgraded just about everywhere. Uh, you know, Stefano Sensi coming over. Um Nicolò Barella coming over from Cagliari, uh, Valentino Lazaro, they, you know, I said this a couple months ago when that transfer happened, they paid 25 million for him. He's going to have some kind of role in this. And then getting Lukaku, um, you know, he's still a proven striker in Europe. He might have had a poor run of form at Manchester United and the goals might have dried up at Manchester United, but he's scoring goals for Belgium. Um, and how much does he really have to do except stay up front and score goals? And you still got Lautaro Martinez there. So, when you look at inter on paper and you look at where they've upgraded their you know and then antonio conte as manager on top of everything uh, who was probably he was the most sought after manager uh, inter got him so there's so much to be excited about because when you look at it all on paper with inter is that they might be the closest rivals for the scudetto to to, to finally unseat juventus we're going to talk about that a little bit later too is it them is it napoli um, we will uh, will have that debate why to be grouchy? Mister Nada's still there, and they may not get rid of him. <laughs> so um, they may not get rid of him before this window slam shut. We're going to have to see what happens over the next few days. Uh, Roma's not going to get him, John. You just you just extended Gekko. Um right. I don't know how serious Napoli is about this, and and why are you doing this to Arkadiusz Milik, who to me looked like he was really starting to flourish under Ancelotti. Um, is he? You, they might need a striker. I mean, are they seriously gonna go with Iguain? Are they seriously gonna go with you know Manzukic, or are they gonna go with Ronaldo in a false nine? That's you, you you know, Saudi did the false nine with Mertens before. Um you know, so there's at this window could slam shut and Mauro Icardi could still be an interplayer and that could be that could be a little bit of an issue for them, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I'm actually really surprised given how the market went. I mean, they were after Edin Dzeko for months now. I mean, since March, I mean, they, they agreed to a contract. Um, it, it was interesting because we were waiting for this first domino to fall in this sort of carousel that included Iguain, Dzeko, Icardi, maybe Milik. Um, and we saw that first domino fall last week or late last week when Dzeko signed his renewal um, I I almost wonder if Pepe Marotta will try and walk this back and maybe, uh, repair things with the cardi because I I just I don't know. It's clear that Conte wants another strike uh striker reinforcement. Um, and I I don't know what the options are going to be for him. I, now I'm not going to pretend like I understand their financial situation. Great because they were under financial fair play and then they came up magically with all these sponsorship deals out of thin air, which is OK, great. Um, so I don't know if they can even afford to let a stay on their books uh, without, uh, you know, with j- just sitting him. I you know, I don't know if their books will allow for that. So um, part of me thinks that. They almost have to at least be open to the possibility of allowing him back into the team. And for the way Conte plays, I, I think it would be good. So I, I think they would be foolish not to do so. Because, again, the options for Riccardi are just – they're waning by the day. Um, it could have been Roma. Uh, it would have been a very intricate operation. Uh, like you, I, I don't know why Napoli would would go through the trouble when Milik – it looks like what well, we all know the injury problems that he's had. He's over them now. I think if you give him consistent playing time, he's shown he can get the ball in the back of the net. Um, maybe Juve. But that would require Iguain leaving, and he has made it abundantly clear he's not going to leave. So this entire thing is a mystery to me. And I, I, I really do think, though, that Icardi and Wanda, they, they've handled this thing entirely all wrong.
0: Sure, sure. No doubt about it. Richard takes on Fiorentina and Inter on behalf of uh, uh, John's uh, co-hosts over there at Serie a show.
1: Yeah, you gotta like the moves that, you know, like John said, and, and you said as well, the moves that Fiorentina made to, to strengthen their squad, you know, despite having, keeping Vincenzo Montella, uh, this, the squad around shows like they have a lot of potential, and, and I think, you know, Simeone, Should have a bounce back season because I agree, John. That was a terrible season he had last year. I mean, I think he's on a crap and a cracker team. That's how bad he did. Um, so there, there there's some pieces there and they kept Chiesa, which is an important thing. And then as far as Inter go, I mean, yeah, I mean, look what they did. They just, they, they put their name in the hat and say, we're, we're going to be in the mix for, for the Scudetto, not only for this year, but for years to come. And, um, you know, with Conte pulling the strings. Uh, you gotta love everything Inter doing, except for for the Acardi situation, which is it's it's baffling to me why they haven't been able. I mean, obviously some players, some teams can be hesitant to want to get him because of all the drama he brings and whatnot. But um, I think if they can get, figure that out, whether it's get rid of him or keep him quiet, I mean, I, I, I'm with John. I don't know where, how they can afford to keep him, keep him and not play him. I mean, they don't have the money for it. They gotta have to have to get the fund somewhere and sell him or something, but. Um, other than that, I mean, Inter almost has. If it wasn't just. For, if it wasn't for the Acardi situation. You'd give them an A plus plus rating for this this year, this uh, off season. I mean, you're still going to give them an A, right? Uh, for all the moves that they made and all the people they brought in. Um, that defense is going to be stellar. Uh, those two teams are going to be interesting to watch. I I look for a bounce back season for Fiorentina after last year, hoping that until doesn't you know destroy things uh, early on. Uh, but Inter, they got to be in the mix. Uh, to to push you push uve to the very end i would think for sure for sure okay before we jump into the
0: rest of the preview here guys uh uh just richard we'll start with you one other thing from the summer that uh, that grabbed your attention that you think will impact seria this season you know,
1: there were Syria const- was constantly in the headlines, which is a good thing because uh, they're for good and bad, obviously. But you know, mostly the big teams they were involved in like all of the big transfer rumors in Europe. Uh, you know, it's been a while since you were, you could be able to say that. Um, Inter, Juve, Milan, Roma, all these teams were uh, constantly in the mix with some of these big names that are out there. Obviously, like names like Lukaku joining, um, all the players that Inter acquired and and, and Juventus as well, and uh, all the managers that they that joined up. Um, coming from different leagues uh, it, it's, it's a lot of positive news for for Syria you know it's, it's they're being put out there in a good way uh, hopefully more more attention is going to keep coming to them and, and they can uh, put this, put the put the product on the pitch and make sure it's uh it sells even better I mean all of us we, we're fans of the of the league and we know how much we enjoy watching it but I think keep keep growing that interest from outside the country and outside the league uh we'll we'll do tremendous things for the league and we'll, overall we're going to have a, um a, a fine season from top to bottom I think
2: John how about you um. Well, the, the one of the talking points I would say that interested me is with the, the Euro being next summer, watching a lot of the guys um, who are sort of fighting for their spots, making respective moves uh, to a new club. I mean, the one that jumped out to me, or the ones that jumped out to me, uh, obviously Balotelli going to Brescia, very clear that coming back to the city, he's at least putting himself in a position to uh, be more visible. To Mancini. And it's just interesting to see how some of these other guys. I mean, another name that came to uh, some of the other names that came into my head were uh, Sensi to Inter, uh, Spinazzola to Roma. Guys who you may not necessarily immediately write into the team sheet that are at least putting themselves in a position to better their odds for making it to the Euro squad uh, for next summer. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and one other thing was I was hoping that the newly promoted size Lecce Verona uh, Brescia would reinforce a bit more. I've been I've been really disappointed because the thing I hated about the last City A campaign was uh, beyond the mid-table it was just incredibly poor. The quality 11 to 20 was so bad and that's sort of the stick that a lot of the city out receives or some of the, the the smaller teams are really really bad whereas for instance, in the Premier League, in my opinion, their bottom of the table teams are certainly a lot stronger. Certainly, put up more of a fight against the bigger squads. Um, in Italy, they, they they tend to roll over. I was hoping to see these teams reinforce a little more, um, but it really hasn't. Only been them that's been annoying me. Uh, Udinese, for example, Spal. I mean, neither of them have really done anything. Um, Brescia have obviously brought in Balotelli. They're being linked with potentially Marquisio. I just want to see them reinforce a little better. Lecce, Verona. I mean, in my opinion, you can already pencil them in as being relegated. I, I just it annoys me when these teams come up from the Serie B. They don't properly reinforce, and then they just bounce right back down to me. I I, I can't stand that, and it's one of the reasons why I get so frustrated. Uh, because we see it seems like every other month we see a team who you know if you're older. And you were watching calcio, um, like a team that's very near and dear to your heart. They haven't been in, up in the city out for a number of years. You see them go bankrupt. Um, you just don't see that in many other countries. So um, it annoys me when I see the newly promoted sides not not show the proper ambition and properly reinforce.
0: I'm I'm with you there. Um, Lecce and Hellas Perona in particular very disappointing. I mean Balotelli is a great name for Brescia, but I think. You know, in the case of Brescia, still having Alfredo uh, Donnarumma there, having Sandro Tonali still there, might give them a little bit of a chance. Let's just see how they play, because it looks like they're going to have a go. Um, the one thing that I'll take is that, you, you know, not all of the mid-table teams, you know, failed to reinforce or struggle to reinforce. I think there's a couple in here that did some pretty decent business in the oh, summer. Oh,
2: Cagliari for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'd put them in the top like seven or eight right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> wonderful think midfield. Yeah, I think Cagliari did a great I'll, – I'll tell you the teams that I liked in particular in terms of what they did for reinforcements. Cagliari, Bologna, uh, Sassuolo, and Genoa, I thought, all strengthened their teams in the summer. Um, so they're not going to be as much of a punching bag. They'll all probably end up top half of, you know, the the top part of the bottom half. Uh, someone out of those four could possibly sneak into eighth or ninth. Uh I don't think any of them are ready to challenge for a Europa League place or anything like that yet. But I like what each of those teams have done, and they're going to be a problem for your traditional top six, now top seven. When you throw in Atalanta, Sassuolo is going to be an interesting proposition, and I think Genoa—they've hired Andrea Zoli, uh, they—they brought in Shona from uh, Ajax among uh, some of the gets that they had. Uh, you know, So all of these guys are going to be in Cagliari, Nainggolan uh, uh, going back there. Um, and a great story behind that. I, I believe it's his – it is it his wife that's uh, – or is it his sister that has
2: – No, his his wife, she's from there. She, she was recently diagnosed with cancer. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's a great story. Um, I think – I mean, if they get – and I, I think it will happen. Um, if Cagliari gets uh, Gregoire de Flau from Roma – I mean, that midfield, you have Rogue, you have Nangolan, you have Nandes, you have Bersa, you have Pavaletti, you have Defrel. I mean, (laughs) I would put that up against most of the the big teams in the city. I I mean, that's – other than the defense. um,
0: Nandes, Nandes, the Uruguayan internationals there now too?
2: Yeah. um, Again, Rogue, Nangolan, uh, Nandes, Bersa. Putting them behind an attacking duo of Pavoletti and maybe, maybe De Frel, I, I, again, uh, you could easily make the case that's in the top six or seven of the Serie A. You could easily make that case. For sure. for me, um, the, their their question marks are going to be at the back. Um, I was actually surprised with all the money they spent from the Barella money that they didn't go for a top-level defender. Maybe I would have sacrificed Nandez in, in that instance for for a really strong defender, but they didn't do that. But um, you really can't have any complaints with their midfield and their yeah. and their attack, especially knowing full well. It's not like they're playing in a European competition. These guys are playing once a week, so that'll help with uh, the health. So I'll, I'll, I'm really curious to see them because it would not surprise me. Every year we see one of these smaller sides qualify for a European place in the Europa League. I would love for it to be them because European football um, in Sardinia would be sensational. I would love to see that.
0: That would be great. That would definitely be great. Um, okay, so that's uh, that's the summer. Let's now uh, dive into some quick questions here on that'll or some questions here that will uh, make the framework for this 2019-2020 Serie A season. Okay, we're going to start at the top uh, with Juventus. Uh, they ran away with the Scudetto last season. They've now won eight in a row. Um, and we've talked about this, uh, Richard, um, 38 match weeks a season. That's 304 match weeks over those eight seasons. Juventus have been top of the table for 253 of those 304 match weeks, you know, so 83% of the time they have been at the top. So it hasn't been just something where every season they find, they find the resources and sneak up and come back and win it. A lot of these seasons, they have just been head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, Maurizio Sarri now takes charge there's some changes to the squad Matias Delete comes over uh, Aaron Ramsey and Adrian Rabio help to uh, give a boost to that midfield um, it's a mystery what's going to happen to Paulo Dybala before this window slams shut uh, and uh, you know, Gigi Buffon is back although let's see how long he likes being on the bench to Chesney or, or the other way around um, I, that, that could be a controversy that certainly comes up um, but with the squad that's in place, John, uh, Richard, actually, I'll start with you. Um, are they equipped to make it nine in a row, or are they finally vulnerable?
1: You know what? There's, obviously, they're certainly equipped to go 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 for the ninth one. Um, they haven't really lost many pieces. They, they, they added, in fact. Uh, so they are certainly uh, got the pieces in place to continue on this long reign. Um, but, you know, I, I do think they are vulnerable they got a new manager now new tactics it's going to be an adjustment period we all know that and the question is how hot do some of these other rivals of of juventus start out um you know once once they get the tactics uh and they're all on the same page then they'll be a formidable team uh and, and dominating but in, until then you know you wonder if you know will napoli come out the gates hot will will inter start out hot will you know will some of these other teams um come out hot uh and and get a and get a big lead on Juventus and make them play catch up that'll be the that'll be the tricky part. So I think they're a little bit vulnerable this year, but I do think, you know, they're certainly equipped to to make it a ninth one in a row. John, how about you?
2: Yeah, um I I think there will be a bit tighter race. I I guess for me the the unknown is how do they prioritize the Champions League because it's abundantly clear the mo- I mean, you don't bring in uh, a Ronaldo in, in coming up in his mid thirties, you don't spend a hundred million euros just to win another scudetto. So it's clearly they want the Champions League. So how do they prioritize that with their city their Coppa Italia calendar? For me, that's the deciding factor. They they certainly can be had in the league. I just, for me, I just feel as if they're still too strong than the rest. Um, could there be a bit of a tighter race? Sure. I still see Juve taking it, though.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard to not see. I mean, I, I, a lot of it, I say, I think it's just been beaten into us that they win it every year now, um, which I think is, I think is part of the process and trying to decide. Well, if they're going to get unseated, who's going to do it? Uh, can you see it happening? Can you mess with a streak? Blah blah blah. So, you know, for me, I I think they're the favorites to win it. I picked them to win it. I think they're still going to, but. This feels like more of a race this season, as we mentioned. Um, Juventus goes from Max Allegri to Maurizio Sari, and that's that's like changing your musical taste from classical to electronic dance music. Richard, you like the electronic dance music, don't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, like like uh, Nine
0: <laughs> Like Nine <Golan>? Like go- Like <laughs> it was John. John. John was the one that told us about uh, Nine uh, nightclub uh, habits. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. He's a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, certainly, you're uh, certainly if you're going to change your taste, there's going to be an adaptation period. And I mean, anytime you have some kind of significant shift, you know, in how and how a manager approaches things tactically. I mean, you only need to look at Chelsea last year when they went from Conte to Saudi. It it took them some time, um, but ultimately they rallied to finish third in the Premier League. They won the Europa League, and they ended up having more of a success of the season than what Chelsea fans would be interested in admitting. So. There's going to be an adaptation period where there might be a little bit of vulnerability. And then, John, you mentioned the Champions League obsession. They have a legit obsession with winning this thing. Um, That opens the door. In my opinion, I think there's two contenders, Inter and Napoli. Um, And they are on totally different ends of the spectrum here when you look at how they're built. So I'll ask you, John, which one's more equipped to unseat Juve? Is it Inter with Conti coming in and all of the upgrades, or do you like the continuity of Carlo Ancelotti and having a second season at Napoli?
2: Yeah, I, I like uh, Ancelotti. Um, obviously, not having to adapt to a new manager helps. And I think, even though he had a tremendously poor season, I think the pairing of Costas Manolas with Koulibaly could be one of the most dangerous in all of Europe. I think they really feed, they can feed off each other Manolas, one of the quickest central defenders in all of Europe, um, I think he can really add an interesting dynamic at the back for Napoli. Um, Fabian Ruiz, uh, Calion, It looks like um, they're going to bring in Lonzano as well. So I think they're the more dangerous one um, at the moment, just because again they're they're not having to learn a new system, they're not having to adapt to a new manager. So in my opinion, uh, it, it's Napoli. Okay. Yeah. And.
0: Fabian Ruiz, more settled in now. Um, you know, Milik obviously grew last season under Ancelotti, if he can stay injury-free, uh, becomes a focal point in the attack. Uh, Pietro Zielinski keeps getting better and better. I mean, there's a lot of – there's still a lot to this Napoli team, even if they didn't – I mean, they, they they brought in Manolas, as you said. They brought in Di Lorenzo, who seems to be a fit for what Ancelotti likes to do at the right-back position. Um, and then, you know, if, if they do get Lozano, that's just another attacking option. Um so, yeah, the, the continuity under Ancelotti, I agree with you. I like that a little bit better than Inter now that I'm kind of going back and forth with it. Richard, how about you? Are you more in the Inter camp or on the Napoli camp as the team that
1: might be most likely to unseat Juve this year? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky question because a lot of people can say, you know, Conte has a history of of jumping on a new team right away and being in an instant impact. I mean, he did it with Chelsea, he's done it with Azuri, uh, obviously with Juventus uh but uh, i'm with you guys i think that i'm i'm all about the continuity and i think napoli have that with ancelotti uh they already got a a very talented team and by point standpoint last year they it wasn't that great but um they are a uh, very very strong team both in the domestic and also in the in the european front but i think uv will be so obsessed with that that they're going to try to give away some points and napoli I believe are going to be right there for the right for the taking uh, more so than Inter because Inter I think are just like a year away before they're they're true contenders. Uh, I think Napoli are there right now, and uh, when you have someone like Ancelotti who's won in so many different leagues in different countries, um, they they they're going to be right there on on the heels of Juventus nipping trying to get get that title. Sure, Um, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out.
0: Um. So that's the top. And that's the contenders. Uh, there's always somebody that finishes high this season. That's that's last season. That's ripe for a fall this season. And uh, usually it's going to be some teams that we didn't expect. And we've kind of we've talked about it a little bit with Fiorentina, who almost could have gotten could have gotten relegated on match week 38 if things fell right. Um, Lazio fell all the way to eighth, but rallied to win the Coppa Italia. Um, you know, so and then uh, John's Roma falling out of the Champions League places. So. Um, you know, so there is there is teams that fall. Uh, you know, looking at the squads this season, um, who is getting overhyped, Richard, uh, and and could be a candidate to fall short of expectations?
1: Uh, you know, two teams that I, I really enjoyed watching last season and really for the last couple of seasons, um, I, I think they're due for a fall back and one for two, two different reasons. One is Atalanta. As much as I love them. Um, and what they did last season and in get into that third third place position it just seems like they're going to be on many fronts this time you know they haven't had too many reinforcements are they going to be stretched thin we saw what what they've done in the past when they've been in in the Europa League and uh, how they were stretched too thin if they focus on one then the other one suffers um you know if they focus so much on the european competition then their their place in the in the in the league falters so I think they're going to be stretched way too thin with Champions League, and there there's no way they can repeat that third place position from last year. And then Torino is the other one. You know, we've seen what uh, teams under Walter Mazzarri after so long. Yes, he has that initial impact on them; they do really well. They respond to him, but eventually they get tired of his ways and, and, and his constant um, yelling at the team, and so. I don't know if Torino can sustain the progression that they were making under him. I mean, I would love to see it because you know I, I love seeing Belotti and Zaza and the whole team, um, the defense that they they built around that you know Setiugo in the back holding everything together. Uh, but I don't know if they can continue up the upward trend that they had last season, and uh, they, I think they're going to be out of the cha- out of the Europa League spots really uh, this the season.
0: You don't think? Uh- at- Atalanta getting Martin Skirtle is going to help keep things glued together in those uh, big Champions League games. Unfortunately not. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I just looked at that this morning and I said, really they got him. So um, uh, those are the two most interesting shouts to me, Atalanta and Torino. Atalanta obviously is they're not a particularly deep squad, but you know Gasparini has been capable of pulling off a surprise or two. But I, I, I don't see them finishing third again. And Torino, I, I mentioned when I did my rankings a couple weeks ago, I, I think that this is the team where things are going to get stale uh, under Mazzotti. So I agree with you there. I think those would be the two teams that I would say are, are ripe for ripe for a little bit of a drop-off. Uh, John, how about you?
2: I know Torino is the uh, sort of the easy team to pick on. They didn't really reinforce a ton. Um, but I, right. I think their defense is so strong. Uh, Izzo Nkulu, Um I think, I mean, they have three or four defenders who could walk into several of the big teams right now. I, I think just at the back, they're too strong to have that much of a um, of a fall off. I, I again, um, and and Lianco as well. Uh, they have Lianco coming back from Bologna, who was really good on loan there, and then they have Bonafazi coming back from Spell on loan. Um, so they they literally have four defenders who. I mean, for example, one all four of those could walk in walk into Roma right now and be a starter. Um, I just think at the back they're they're too strong and they have too much quality. Um, but I do agree with you guys. Atalanta is for me the most obvious one. I don't think they've reinforced nearly enough. I think they're going to be stretched incredibly thin with the Champions League. You don't know how that's going to wear on them. And then when you mix in uh, Gasperini's uh, training sessions, which are renowned for the amount of running and how tired you get. Um, I I just feel like the players with both these competitions and then as well as the Coppa Italia, I just feel like they're going to be stretched a little too thin. So I I don't think they'll have a dramatic drop off. Maybe instead of finishing third, maybe they'll finish sixth or seventh or something. Um, But I I do think they'll fall short. I I just I I don't see how they come anywhere near the Champions League again this season.
0: No, I I I agree. Again, and like I said, you you make some good points about the Torino defense. My whole point is Mazzari. Um, We've seen it before. Uh, But, um, you know, time will tell on that one. I think another one you can probably throw in, just although it could be predicted. um, Spall has been a nice story. Um, And we'll talk about who we might tip for relegation. And I'm probably giving a spoiler alert here. But I think that they could be the team that finishes 18th this season. <clears throat> I think that they've done it with smoke and mirrors. They've been able to uh, patch it together and make it work for so long, but they've had some losses here. Losing Lazzari hurts. Uh, Bonifazi going back to Torino, as you mentioned, um, you know, it's uh, a little bit concerning. Uh, you know, Antonucci might not have been the been a force for them, but he was a veteran in that dressing room. He's not there anymore. Um, it's another one that you can just look at. Okay, who's, who's somebody that survived that could be a candidate to drop? Spall's certainly in there. Udinese might certainly be in there too. So, um, as far as teams that you're looking at at the bottom half. Um, uh, as far as surprises though, we did talk about Atalanta finishing third, and, and nobody at the beginning of last season predicted that. So, John, looking at the uh, looking at this league from uh, one to twenty, who could be the biggest surprise? Who's the one we're not paying attention to that we uh, that we won't see coming?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I keep mentioning them, but I I can't help but feel that Cagliari could at least make a push. Make a push. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I I could easily see them making a push for the Europa League. Um, I just feel like the quality that they've gotten in during this summer has been so good Um, for me. I mean, I I would put them ahead of the likes of uh, Fiorentina, maybe even Lazio. Um, Again, not having a European competition. Maybe even Atalanta. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, they're, they're easily going to finish ahead of them, but I, I could understand if you made the case that they would. Um, I just feel they've done so good, especially in the midfield during this summer, that I can't help but but feel they'll at least be in the running for Europa League Europa League place. Um, I would love to see them qualify for the Europa League. So I I think they could really surprise people with how far they actually get up. Everyone's you know, everyone's giving them a good uh, round of applause for how good they've done in the market. Um, I think they can actually surprise people and do better than expected. For me, the the only the only question mark, uh, other than the defense, which I've mentioned uh, earlier, is Maran being the manager. Um, this was a guy who, part my French, but he was so used to to shit housing in Kiev. I mean, sure. he really didn't implement a great style. It was more so. Um, more of a survival type of football, aesthetically terrible. And I just wonder, now that you have these technically gifted players, particularly in the midfield, you have Walter Bersa uh, playing in the hole behind the two attackers. Can we at least see more of a uh, aesthetically pleasing style? That's the only thing that I would like to see from them. That is a question mark in my mind at the current moment. But yeah, I think they can do really, really well, and I hope they do really, really well. Because um, if you haven't been there, um, you have the island, you have this really unique atmosphere that you don't really get when you're on the mainland, uh, mainland, in the other stadiums in the city. Yeah. So I, I, hope they do well, and I think they will do well.
0: Excellent. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> we laid that out. A lot of, uh, a lot of smart decisions they've made with that, with that, but money. And, and yes, the. The defense is going to be interesting. Crano is still there in goal, though. Um, might be making seven or eight saves a game. We'll have to see. Uh, Richard, your surprise. Who's who, who's going to surprise that we're not paying
1: attention to? I mean, John hit it right there on the head. I think it's Cagliari. I mean, Bologna is also another team that I'm interested in. You know, they're going to be playing for Mihailovic, obviously. and um, they, got some, they made some nice moves. Yeah, they lost Pulgar. But um, ultimately, for me, Cagliari, I think uh, the, the additions they made, yeah, they lost Barella. But um, the additions they made... Uh, they they're gonna have a better season than they did last year, and uh, I'm with John. I mean, if they, if they made somehow made Europa League, I mean, playing on the island, what a daunting place to play against. If you know teams have to come travel there, uh, I, I would love to see that. Um, whether it'll happen, I will see. But, uh, I, I definitely, I'm with John, and I peg that Cagliari is going to have a, a surprise season that most outside of Italy do not see coming. I mean, most of the people on the inside, they, they, they see the moves that they make, and like, yeah, Cagliari is going to be, you know, they're due for something good. But I think a surprise to the rest of Europe how well Cagliari does this season as opposed to previously.
0: Okay. Um, I like the again. I I, I like the Calory shot. You guys are selling. I you guys are selling me on this more and more. I like them going in, but I like them even more. L- love what everybody's saying about Calory. I agree. I, I I also say don't necessarily sleep sleep on Sassuolo this season with Roberto Cerab be having a, a a place to hang his hat now. A second season, uh, seemingly having some stability. Uh, Francesco Caputo being the striker and getting the service from some of the players there. Uh, they reinforced in midfield. Um. Hamid Traore is not a bad player that they that they brought over the Empoli fire sale after they got relegated. It seems like everybody left that team. Um, And then uh, Obiang also coming over from uh, from West Ham. So there's a little bit of steel in the middle of the park there and uh, a a team that's going to give some people problems. Um, You know, I've I've seen people talk about them being anywhere from I had them 10th. Um, I'll probably be shifting this around before the season begins. Um, but anywhere from tenth to thirteenth, and uh, you know maybe not with the upside that Calgary has, but certainly going to be a team that's going to give everybody some trouble. Um, so, uh, th- before we get to our next question, we do have uh, a sec a second guest with us. He's earning his third cap here on the city sit down. He's coming on as a substitute, a little uh, of sorts, not really coming <laughs> in for anybody. But anyway. Um, founder of separateinter.com was previously with Di calciomercato.com, and FC Inter News, and just about the only Interisti I ever talked to. Uh, Nima <laughs> Tavali, ciao, Nima.
3: Hi guys, how are you doing?
0: Doing great. Uh, you're with Richard Carmen and John Solano.
1: Um, Good to have you on, going. sir.
0: Yep. Thanks.
3: Great to be on.
0: No problem. No problem. We won't talk about the phone problems, but I do want to ask you uh, before we move on. Um, All right, we talked about Juventus and uh, are they built for nine in a row? Do they have the ability to go nine in a row, or are they vulnerable this season? And we thought that the um, there's two contenders this season: there's your Inter, and then there's Napoli. Um, You know, unless there's somebody out there that we're not really paying attention to. And the debate was um, what's what's more of a contender? Who's more likely to unseat Juventus should it happen this season? We all said the continuity of Ancelotti and Napoli, um, and that's not to upset you, Nima. Um, that's just what we—that's just what we answered. Uh, but is there a case for all of these upgrades that Inter have made, and with Conti as manager, uh, is there a case for them uh, to be the to be the team more likely than Napoli to unseat Juve this year?
3: Well, it depends. It depends on how the mercato finishes. I mean, it's been going on for quite some time uh, now, and. It's been quite the dramatic summer, um, and Inter and Juventus are really down each other's throats again, uh, really annoying each other, uh, trying to destroy, make life as hard for each other as possible. And that's just the way it should be. Uh, that's that's when the city A is at its best, is when these two clubs uh, are antagonizing each other to the point of uh, of it becoming almost a little petty. Um, but I, I think that it depends. It depends because Juventus Sari needs a number nine. He does not want... It's clear that Mandzukic and Higuain aren't his first choices. Neither is Dybala. Um, I don't... Uh, and Inter don't... You know, Icardi situation, they want to They want to send him to Napoli in, in exchange for Milik and a bunch of money. Um, and then they want to loan Vidalin. They want to sign Biragi. Uh, and they want to probably, from what I've understood, they are looking to, if they can secure the money for Icardi, they're looking to, to go to Lazio and knock on Milinkovic Savic's door. Um, if that if all that happens, and that's a huge if, then I think Inter can challenge for sure because that's a conte team. Uh, that's you know that's the most conte team you could ever have. But when when but when it comes to um, Juventus, um, I, I think they do have a uh, they have a weakness. But if they get Icardi, I, I I mean that trio up front with Ronaldo, Icardi, and Douglas Costa, it, it's it's it is it is very hard to stop them. Likewise, you know Ancelotti. In my opinion, the best Italian coach around uh, which also makes him one of the best coaches in the world per default um if you you know if they get you know Lozano is done and they get rid of milik and they get Icardi instead, they can really really challenge so I think it's it's all very much up in the air um right now because um the mercato this is going right down to the wire um and I can't remember the last time we had such a interesting and dramatic mercato as we've had this season, this summer.
0: It's been a it's it, it it has been a very very interesting Mercato, to say the least. Uh, that just sounds like with respect to Inter and all of those proofs. That just sounds like a lot of business with only what maybe four days left to uh, to get it all closed. <laughs> so, no,
3: it's September second. It's uh, the Mercato Is it September second? Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, oh. they changed it. Yeah, it's it's they they clo- they they've adapted it so it's everything closes on September second. It's only out of the top leagues. It's only September. It's only um yeah the Premier League that closes uh, earlier.
0: Oh, I didn't I didn't realize that. I somebody told me that.
3: Uh, yeah, to I've, I've to read some stuff. There's been some misconceptions going around from pretty reputable sources, but I've I've looked into it, and the Mercato closes on September second.
0: Sure. Okay, well then there's there's plenty of time for all of that to still happen then. So Oh yeah. Um okay. Uh all right, we went through um uh we we we've, we've just uh, finished talking about who the surprises are. Uh we all, I mean John and Richard both think Cagliari could really be a big surprise this season, maybe just short of uh maybe just even short of Europa League with how they've reinforced after selling Bellella. Um I, I'm sold on that. I feel Sassuolo is going to be a bit of a surprise. I'll let you answer. Uh, is there somebody in there that we're not thinking about right now that uh, could shock some people with where they finish at the end of the season?
3: I think I think Atalanta will still be a very difficult team. I think they have they have kept the players they needed to keep. They've sold the players that that what really hurt them, and they've signed really intelligently. Um, and also. Fiorentina and Parma are, those projects are looking really interesting as well um, now there, there's, there's this is so interesting because it, it really is the this summer the italian teams have really shown that they are you know that, that it's the, the, that this this long almost 10 15 years you know walking in the desert where italian football has been at its lowest ebb ever perhaps um right. it, it's kind of end, it's kind of ending um, and and all of the teams are showing muscle um and Roma, John's Roma, is is looking really interesting. Uh, I I I I really like that. Um I I really like what they've done. I think Petracchi, I mean, you know, as you know, John knows and everyone listens to the Serie knows I I've I'm a huge fan of Petracchi and I think he's done an excellent job at Roma. Milan's project is very interesting. No, it's 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 it's, it's gonna be so, so difficult to, to say. And and Cagliari, as you said, sure. They they sold Barella for a, for a lot of money, but they've invested it really intelligently, and and I think I, I think that Naingolan might might not not necessarily be their best player, um, but I, but I do think that they will have a respectable um, finish. I think the most important thing for them was to keep Pavoletti and to keep uh, Cragnio uh, in goal, uh, and they've managed to sure. do that. Sure.
0: Okay. Let's uh, let's quick let's quickly talk about the new boys in the league. Brescia, Lecce, and Hellas Verona all promoted. With the latter of the three right back up after being relegated the season before, um, we already have touched on uh, Lecce and Hellas Verona. Maybe the lack of reinforcements. I'm going to say by default, I think Brescia is the best equipped um, uh, to survive the drop uh, or survive going right back down. I think we're we're discussing here that maybe Lecce and Verona are certainly going to occupy 19 and 20 this season. Um, I mean, and it's not just because they signed Balotelli. Alfredo Donnarumma is still there, as I mentioned. Sandro Tonali is still there after being uh, the subject of transfer rumors uh, for quite some time now. Uh, so there are, you know, at least a couple pieces in place. It's almost—it almost feels like Brescia, John, is is the candidate to survive by default out of these three, right?
2: Yeah, it does. Um, Especially, I feel like getting Balotelli, at least, I mean, we're not, you know, we can't pretend that he was out of this world this past season. He certainly struggled. Um, But he at least brings an atmosphere and some enthusiasm, um, which who knows if that can actually translate down to the pitch. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, I I feel like Lecce, um, Verona especially, they haven't done anything so yeah, I would say almost by default they feel like the ones who have the the, the feel that they can survive, um, whether or not they do that remains to be seen. But um, I mean, there are some other teams at the bottom of the table. Uteneza is the one who jumps out to me who really haven't done anything to better themselves. So uh, yeah, in my opinion, uh, Brescia at least has has put themselves in a chance to survive.
0: I. Side note about Utenesi, and I don't know if you guys caught what I said about them on Twitter when I did my rankings. I said, uh, when you sign Mato Yayalo, you're pretty much in a relegation fight. Has not right. he right. been on every Serie A team that's went down that he's signed for?
2: I know Siena, uh,
0: Palermo, yes.
2: Genoa, yeah. <laughs> now, Genoa didn't go down. Um, but yeah, he, he's one of those guys that <laughs> you know if you get him, uh, it, it definitely means you're in a relegation battle. For
0: sure, for sure. Uh, Richard, are you in agreement about Brescia maybe being the most likely of these three to
1: survive? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head. I mean... Not only Balotelli, but they, you know, they got Tonali and, and they obviously Donnarumma still there with some goals. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Donnarumma and, and Balotelli form a, a pair there. Uh, could be some, uh, they could be those two alone could, uh, keep them up, uh, this season, especially, you know, with the likes of Udinese and you know, other teams who might be struggling, uh, you know, to, to get in the relegation zone. Uh, Brescia seemed the more likely, even though there weren't many moves for any of these three teams that just got promoted, uh, they're probably the most likely to, to, Get out of it. So, but we'll see. I don't know.
0: Nima, how about you? Are you in agreement with all of this, or is uh, is uh, Lapadula coming to save the day for Lecce?
3: No, I I, I don't see how Lecce... I, I've looked at the squad, and I and I was really happy when they came up. Um, you know, Lecce for me is uh, I, when I think of Lecce, I think of that that team that um, Pantaleo Corvino put together with Ledesma, Bozinov. Vucinic, etc. Um, but they, they, you know, it's nice to have them back up. But I just do not see how they are going to stay up because I don't think, like John said about Hellas, I, I, am not in in entry. I don't think that they're um, at all. Um, they've done enough to stay up because the league is taking a salto di qualità, a leap of quality, and and these teams are simply not good enough.
0: Okay. So we have, uh, we have that in mind. So we, if we think somebody survives out of this heap, it's going to be Brescia. Uh, not much chance for Lecce and Hellas, but we're all in agreement there. Um, new slash old faces, new places, as is the case with the start of every season. The first match week will be a league debut for managers in the hot seats of their respective clubs. This is a historic season as far as as far as far new appointments. You have Maurizio Sarri at Juventus, Antonio Conte at Inter, Marco Giampaolo at Milan, Paolo Fonseca at Roma, Eusebio Di Francesco. I haven't talked about him much over at Sampdoria. Uh, Aurelio Andrezzoli at Genoa and Ivan Juric at Hellas Verona. Respective, which of these managers, um, Richard, we'll start with you, which of these managers do you tip to be most successful this season relative to the club that they're at?
1: Uh, it's hard for me to look anywhere else outside of Antonio Conte with Inter. Um, he may not win the Scudetto this year, but I think ultimately he's going to get into the prize land, both you know on the domestic front and on the European front. So, um, you know what he's going to be able to do quickly, and then you know throughout the next couple seasons, I think he'll be the relative to his situation. I think he'll do the best.
3: Nima, do you agree? Um. Uh- yeah, uh, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I agree with it, with what's been said here. Um, I, I don't have that much to add. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I, I would say I, I mean, Conte has to be the obvious name. I agree. Yeah,
3: it's,
2: it's
0: I, mean, hard, I mean, it's
3: I mean, like, what are you going to say? I mean, it, it's it's like it's hard to say anything that already hasn't been discussed. Yet. And like you said, it's pretty obvious. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, with with everything that he's being armed with, um, with everything that he could still be getting armed with, there's there's it's it's certainly going to be Antonio Conte as far as the manager that is going to be the most success, successful. Uh, you know, some of these other names, I mean, it'd be interested. I'm interested in seeing what Di Francesco is going to do at Sampdoria. Um, <laughs> I'm worried to you know.
3: Sampdoria. I am very <laughs> worried about Sampdoria. Yeah. I, I mean, Di Francesco. I don't rate him as a coach at all. But not only that. I mean, it feels like the whole the whole project under Ferrero. He's a volatile character. It's like Sampdoria. Yeah. When when people like that leave a club, they don't leave on good terms. They leave in free fall. And and I feel sure. that you know things are already kind of shaking under the ground, uh, shaking under the feet there of people in in Sampdoria. And 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 it's I I don't I I see a very difficult season for them ahead. Um, sure, but 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 I mean, with Conte as well, you know, he's such a volatile character. I don't think he will create too much drama in the first year, but you don't know. Think about it. You know, you think about if he doesn't get one thing that he doesn't that he doesn't want that he that he wants, and you know, you end up in January, and and Inter have been struggling a little bit. A new 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 three you known three but three at the back, new system. You know these things take time to gel, and and you know how Conte is. He will never. He will. He will be angry. He will be, you know. He will be charging at Marotta. He will be charging at Steven Zhang. I mean, that's who he is. So, I, I think you know it, it's 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 easy to be the Regina del Mercato, but at the end of the day, you have to prove your stuff on the on the pitch as well.
0: Okay. Uh, before we finish this, uh, we gonna we're gonna say goodbye to John. John's got some other commitments. Want to thank you, John, for coming on. Um, real quick before you sign off, John, anything? Um, uh, give us your top four and give us your uh, bottom three.
2: Ooh, um, Juve, Napoli, uh, Inter, Roma, and then bottom three. Oh, uh, Spal. Yeah, Lecce. Uh, yeah, hold on. Spal, Lecce, Verona.
0: Excellent. And anything you want to plug, quick here before uh, before we let you go?
2: No. You know what? Everything you got off at the top. Uh, the City Show, the IS Roma Press Podcast. Um, and hope to talk to you guys soon. So thank you.
0: All right. No. Thanks for coming on, John. And uh, glad to get you on where we don't uh, we we don't curse your team.
2: <laughs> yeah. <I won't, laughs> yeah. Don't call me for five months. I'm going to call you when we play
0: Milan. We're going to need to do a deep dive on Roma. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) All right, John. Thanks for joining us. All right, John Solano, everybody. Nima, are you aware of that Roma curse that we have at Serie A sit-down?
2: No, what's that?
0: Um, Every time we've had John, we've arranged to have John come on as a guest on our podcast. That weekend, Roma loses. So last (laughs) last year, I purposely signed him on, and he didn't know this. I purposely signed him on to be a guest. Um, match week two last year when uh, Roma and Milan were playing. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we're going to get. Some- yeah,
3: I, I think I think I think I think he won't he won't, I think he'll block you guys during Derby week. If that's the
0: case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's stick to the topic of managers, Richard. Who do you tip first for the sack race?
1: Who uh, you know? I want to say the obvious choice is going to be you know for me probably going to be like Fabio Lavarini, uh with Lecce. But uh, you know I think it's going to be ultimately Vincenzo Montella. You know if he doesn't do well in the beginning with Fiorentina, it's a team that has talent. We saw how much they struggled last year. Uh, if he doesn't, if he starts out really poorly with Fiorentina, I think he'll be gone pretty soon. Um, but you know outside outside of him, I, I'm going to go with the Lecce manager because. Uh, they're doomed for a tough season this year. And the question is, do they look respectable when they lose or, or are they getting blown out? Sure. Nima, we
0: talked about Montella a little bit earlier on the podcast as being somebody that can, can give, give a team a, a spurt of good form and then eventually just goes on and wears out his welcome. Did it at Roma, did it at Milan. He's done it at a couple of other places. You know, can certainly see maybe if Comiso is getting impatient because this wasn't his guy to begin with. Um, you know, the Lecce shot is a good one, but who do you, uh, do you like any of those or do you like someone else to maybe get the sack first?
3: I think you you have to remember that Massimo Cellino is back in Serie A. Um, and oh, Massimo yes. And Massimo Cellino is, is a, you know, he's, it's a dying breed. It's, he's probably the last crazy Italian, like genuinely insane Italian president, football club president. And, you know, although Brescia, I don't think it matters if Brescia win or lose. It, it could end up; uh, they he could sack the coach because they got they had an argument in the morning, like that. That is the kind of guy he is, and he is a very volatile character. And I think they definitely Brescia, not because I think they will they will do too poorly. I just, it's just because it's Cellino is there. He's 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 insane, um, and 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 with you know when it comes to lecture and. Um, um, yeah, I think I think Lecce uh, uh, and and Hellas Verona are for sure also one of the candidates. But I'm a little bit worried about Udinese as well because I think that it's it's very clear that the Pots family have completely lost interest in the Serie A. Um, they they kind of just want Udinese to bob and float. They're not um, investing as much. They're much more interested in what they're doing in, with Watford and in this in the Premier League because that's where the money is. So, um, but, but, but I think it's a shame. I think it's such a shame because, um, I, I, I really like that Piazza and I really like that ownership family. And I, I mean, when they, when they, when they were invested in Udinese, they, they brought out some fantastic teams. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit worried there. I hope they can keep Rodrigo de Paul. Um, and if they can, I think, uh, they'll, they'll look pretty good. Uh, but, but no, I, I'd say the bottom three for me. Lecce, Verona, Hellas, Verona, and, 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 uh, will be down there because I think Balotelli coming back will give them a boost, but I think they'll make it, but I think they're going to be around that relegation area. Sure.
0: Sure. Um, for me, it's, for me, it's Ivan Joric at Hellas Verona. Um, I don't see that working. I, I just don't see that working out. And Ivan Joric seems to be somebody that just gets sacked after being somewhere for two months. um, so I'm I'm with uh, the Hellas Verona manager getting the sack. I I'm with Jan on Udinese. Um, I think that's Tudor that's still Tudor that's still there. Um, and then uh, uh, Eugenio Carini of Brescia. Yeah, yeah. Cellino and uh, I I can't remember who tweeted. It. I think it was you, Nima. Cellino and uh, Bellotelli together. What could possibly go wrong, right?
3: <laughs> so. I mean, I, that, I mean this is so beautiful. I mean. There's so many levels to it. this league. has so much drama and 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 it's it's a colorful league. So yeah.
0: So those are just some uh, some ideas of some guys that you could expect to to be unemployed uh, at some point uh, during the season, probably sooner than later. So um, young players, uh, Italy's U twenty run in the U in the U twenty World Cup. Good indicator that there's an injection of youth continuing to strengthen this league. Uh, we could say the same about the U21s, but as I at least expected, Luigi Di Biagio got in the way. Um, all that aside, there is a lot of young talent in this league, domestic and foreign. Last season, we saw breakouts from players like Nicolo Zaniolo, Lautaro Martinez, and Nicola Barella, among many others. Uh, so Nima, who's the uh, young player or players that uh, you have an interest in this season that everybody should be keeping an eye on?
3: Uh, um, young players this season. I think Bastoni at Inter will be definitely one one to watch out for.
1: Okay.
3: Um, I think Sandro Tonali, as you already mentioned, um, Gianluca Mancini, who's gone to Roma. Uh, he had a breakthrough season last year. I think he will be one to watch. Um, it's it's. Uh, I mean, Lautaro Martinez. I mean, it's, it's hard to remember. He's he's very young. He came a year ago. I think this is this will be his breakout season season if he, if he stays uh, unless Barcelona suddenly lose their minds and put 150 million euros on the table on deadline day, but uh, sure. um, I, I doubt that will happen but no I, I, I think um, I, it's those kinds of players that and you know we forget that Nicolo Barella, Chiesa these guys the, you know they, they, they're they pretty young uh, I think yep. Chiesa will really explode this year um, if they can resolve that situation and make him happy um, so you know, with with Inter and Juve, really destabilizing that situation. But sure. I I think he'll stay. But I I and I hope he stays. I think it's good for Fiorentina uh, and the league if 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 we don't have too much of a concentration up top this season at least. Sure. So um, uh, and then also Milan uh, Benasser, I'm really keen to see what happens there because um, he was fantastic in the African Nations Cup. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm. I'm. Not, there's so many players. There are so so many players that I'm really interested to see how they do. Um, uh, young players. Uh, so now th- this is a really young and exciting league again. Uh, finally, sure. I'm been really looking forward. You know, this it's been like 10, 15 years of uh, it's not been so great, but now it's it's really back again.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I uh, you, you stole my thunder. Uh, my my young player to watch is Ishmael Benacer. You know, I think started coming on at Empoli uh, in the second half of uh, last season was h- h- him and uh, Krunic, who both ended up at Milan, and obviously had Caputo scoring the goals. They they really made a push for survival. Uh, Yet Drogowski in goal too. But Benisset going from that, going to his performances at uh, the African Cup of Nations for Algeria, being named a player of the tournament. Now he's on a bigger stage at Milan and uh, going to be in a relatively important role in Gianpaolo's system. So let's see how he manages that. Um, indeed, I think that that's a, a young player to watch, along with all of the young players. I mean, the guys that I just mentioned, they're all still young, so uh, and they're all still worth watching. How does Zaniolo do now with uh, Fonseca in charge? And, uh, you know, Barella, how does he adapt at Inter? Uh, you know, so those are, some, those are some interesting ones as well.
1: Richard, uh, some young players here that uh, – uh, that you have your eye on that you're interested in seeing? I mean, uh, the obvious one that we've mentioned uh, many times in this pod is Sandro Tonali. I mean, he's become the stud that we all were, are, are hoping he'll become um, with Brescia. But a couple of the players that, that last year were having good season and I think are poised for for big seasons, Andrea Pinamonte is an Inter product, um, and also Riccardo uh he came on really strong at the end of the season with some fantastic goals. Both players have an eye for goal. Uh, they're going to be... Uh, in the mix sniffing for for the, for the players are they're, they're they're good for their respective teams. Um I I expect both these players to have an even better season uh, this going this season from last season uh, and last year, you know, both those guys certainly were um were had my eye for the whole season. So uh, those two in particular uh, as well as with uh, Sandro Tonali uh with with Brescia.
0: Plenty of good young players uh, in Serie A. There, I mean, we just named just a few of them. There's many more that we're we're doing an injustice to. But let's uh, let's move this on. So, um, um, s- score the goals, get the glory. Uh, Fabio Quagliarella proved that this can be a still be a country for old men, despite all the young players we just talked about. He won Capocannonieri, did it in style, scored the goal of the season, clearly uh, in that win over Napoli early in the season. Um, and some teams upgraded their attack through the Mercato. Others have a change of system. So with all the changes, uh, Richard, give us your favorite for Capo canonieri
1: You're kind of going to go with the, the standby, which is CR7, you know, with, with a with Maurizio Sarri's system where it's more open, a lot more passing, a lot more opportunities, uh, you got to figure that he's going to get more of his goals, uh, even more so than last year. If he gets as much league time as he, you know, if they're, if they're going to focus on the Champions League and he doesn't get as much league time, maybe those numbers are going to stay down. But if he gets uh, the league time, league play, uh, you got to expect he'll be in the mix for sure uh, this season.
0: Nima, it's an interesting uh, question. There's a lot of goal scorers in this league. Um yeah. Do you agree with Ronaldo being the favorite, or um, do you, For me, else you have
3: a for, for no, actually, it's Piontek for me. I think in with 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 Marco Giampaolo's football, which because I think Milan will struggle defensively, but they will not struggle attack, attacking wise. gianpaolo plays lovely football, uh, and he will, and Piontek is, uh, is 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 lethal when he when he's in form. And I so I think for me, it's Cristiano Ronaldo uh, who I think will want to win the Capo Canoniere. You know, he's Ronaldo's got that kind of he wants to win everything like you know he literally wants to win everything he wants to right. you know he every he wants to boast that he's won everything everywhere he's been um he's won every everything possible with man united in england and internationally he's won everything in spain he won everything internationally with real madrid and now he's in italy and he's missing a by italia he's missing a <clears throat> he's missing um a and the champions league and and you know, I, I, the Champions League, I think he will, be, he will do, he, he won't win. Um, but uh, but, the, but, the, but, the Coppa Italia City are in Capo Calamari, he could definitely win this year.
0: Yeah. And it's amazing to me that we've gone over an hour and 20 minutes, and this is the first time we have brought up Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that that's you, a I good mean, podcast. <laughs> I think that tells you, I think that speaks to the league. There's certainly more yeah. to it than them. There's no, so it, many pretty- storylines now.
3: It really is, and, and you see more and more. The, the, the league is finally. I mean, everything happens, and you know, change in Italy t- does, is is so slow that it's barely detectable at times. But but when it but when it finally happens, they, they they you know, things go pretty quickly once the ball once once the wheels start turning, um and and they are turning now because, uh you know you have foreign investors who who've actually brought this league back to life, um. You know, obviously Juventus led the way, but Juventus is a is a, is a special case uh, with the Agnelli family being one of the richest families in the world and one of the biggest business tycoons in the world and you know owning Fiat and all uh, Ferrari and all that stuff. So, um, so no, I I think it's um I, I'm really happy about the league and and uh, where it is and I think that the I mean we haven't spoken about Lazio uh, or at least not since I came on and I think I mean the signing of Lazzari has to be one of the most intelligent. Shrewd signings Lazio have done, and there you know, people, people forget uh, Simone Inzaghi, great, great coach. I think he will again yeah. prove himself. And as I said, I mean, I, 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 I still think that you know, Lazio will, will reinforce by getting two players i think politano and Gagliardini going to lazio and um, milinkovic-savic going the other way is still a very much a possibility and that is a win-win for us for all for for everyone involved sure lazio for sure will be one of the top four uh, will will definitely be one of the teams fighting for the top four and, but above all i i want to see i want to see the teams in the europa league do good in the europa league yep. uh, it's it's really important i, I want to see them like the English teams, go to a semifinal, all-Italian final. You know what I mean? Like That's what I want to see again, and I think that we're laying the groundwork for that happening again.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and, and to follow up on Lazio, and all apologies to all of our Lazio supporters that we took this long to talk about you, um, yeah, I've, I've been saying all summer on Twitter, I said Manuel Lazzari probably will, will easily be the most perfect fit as far as a transfer is concerned um from from anybody that comes in anybody that joins any of these clubs this season um i mean just his skill set and the way inzaghi plays it's perfect um so i like that i i agree i think Lazio is going to be a contender i think they're going to pick themselves back up uh you know i two weeks ago when i did my rankings i had them fifth um so that's uh that's where we're at um you know, as far as Latsu is concerned, but let me pick your brain. There was another thing before we get back on topic. Let me pick your brain, Nima. How much has uh, some of these television networks, and the, the, it's certainly a different dynamic as far as the television coverage of Serie A, Dazen, um, ESPN here in the United States, um, you know, the ESPN Plus package, which is god-awful cheap, uh, and you've pay for it annually, and you get every single Serie A game. How much has that contributed to Serie A starting to see a, m- a little bit more of an increase of exposure, a little bit of increase of momentum?
3: I think it's a combination. I think the fact that, as I said, I mean, there's a Serie A understood that they have to do something about their product, or they will just wither and die. And and people love Italy, people love Italian football, people love Italian club football. Everyone has a, has a relationship to a Juventus, Inter Milan, Roma, Lazio, Napoli, etc. So, I this was bound to happen and finally it is happening and there and and hopefully you know it, it, it just improves and I think that when there's money to be made you know which which there is uh, the Italian product is is still you know obviously it's not on the level of of the Premier League but uh, but it, but it is there is there is still a lot of money there to be made and I think um they the the people running the marketing are 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 trying to rebrand and uh, re, uh, <clears throat> you know, rebrand, rebrand it, modernize it, uh, and, and and all the clubs are like finally getting along as well. It, it, it's just the fact that things don't go so fast in Italy; it takes time. Sure. Uh, and and this will take time, but I think definitely that within the next five years, we'll see more and more new stadiums, more stadiums owned by the clubs, more, more, uh, and as a result, more higher attendances. Uh, you know the, the, the positive um, circle for you know the, so so you know one thing leads to another and then you know when, when you're in the downward spiral like circling the drain it's it goes everything goes one way but when you're in the in the in the positive upward spiral then one thing leads to leads to another and it pushes everything forward so and i think italian football is finally now in a positive spiral upwards
0: excellent yeah i agree and to get back on topic with Capo Canonieri, I like the Ronaldo shot from you, Richard. Uh, Nima, I like the Piantic shot. And just because, you know, I mean, not just because we've been talking about Lazio, but because of the reinforcements, I like Chiri Moble uh, to possibly contend as well. Uh, you know, service from Lazzari, uh, Luis Alberto still there. You know, whether Milinkovic Savage stays or whether it's the Korea. swap that you suggest. Correa.
3: Correa. Yep. Mean- He's a he's a great player. I I don't think he 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 got it took him a while to get into things and sure so, no I I am really I really like what Lazio are doing. I think all the top teams have really strengthened and and the distance between the top and the middle and the middle and the bottom has grown.
0: Sure, sure.
3: So, there are um, going to be
0: some real whipping boys in this league this season. There you know, but not as many because of, you know the the middle teams have certainly. Uh, some of them have strengthened. We've talked about them at length here with Cali, with with Sassuolo, Bologna, Genoa, really the four that you that you look to, maybe even in that order, um, you know, in terms of in terms of growth. So, okay, let's. Uh, it's prediction time. All right, uh, give me your top four. You're being recorded, so we're gonna save this and see if we can hold it against you at the end of the season. Uh, your top four and your bottom three, Richard.
1: Top four. This uh, um, it, it's it's tough because I go back and forth with Juventus winning the title. Um, obviously, they still have this, the pieces in play to to win the title. Um, it's a new man in charge now, and they're going to take some time to adapt to that system, but I think once they are adapted, they're going to be, uh, ever so dangerous as, as, as always. Um, the really, the key for me is what, what do Napoli bring this year? Are they able to build off last year? Is Angelotti able to, build off that monster that is slowly building and He took Saudi ball and, and made it his own and, and kept, kept that element. So at times when they needs it needs it, they play it. Other times they're, they're more pragmatic, they're more defensive, astute, and, uh, they keep teams from scoring. So, uh, I'm going to go on a limb just because i like to see some change. I think Napoli are going to win the title this year. Barely, ever so barely. So I think Napoli number one, Juve two, uh, Conte and Inter at three. I think Milan sneaking at four. Um, and then going into the bottom three, obviously Lecce and Hellas Verona are definitely going down. Um, for me, the key is is Russia going to make it out? Uh, it depends what how bad Udinese are. Do, do other teams like, uh, Spal or Genoa falter? Uh, at the moment, it's hard to tell. Um, I'm going to go with the team that has been the Syria, the, the Syria teams to stay up. So I'm going to say the new, all the new boys are going to go down just to ever so barely. Okay. Um, uh- so I'm writing this down.
0: You think Napoli are going to win the title. Um, you, uh, you, your Canon Rafa will appreciate that. And I'm sure they're sending you money too. Um, <laughs> so make checks payable uh, to Richard <laughs> <laughs> Uh Nima, your top four and your bottom three.
3: I don't like the, I don't like this with the merc- two weeks left of the Mercato. And you know, the deadline in Italy is always dramatic um but you, you can always tweet us and change it after the mercato. Oh, <laughs> because because I think the thing is that the, you know the this league and the these direttori sportivi they make their best deals and the, the last minute deadline day ones and all there's so many usually at this point so many big questions aren't left to be answered and they are with almost every team. So it's especially the big teams. So it's really difficult, but I'm but I'm going to have to say I I still think that Juventus will win the title. I think um, I think Napoli will come in second, but not so far off at all. Um, and and I think Inter will finish comfortably in third. As for fourth, um, this is gonna you know this is really difficult because it's I between Roma, Lazio, Atalanta, and Milan, it, it's impossible to 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 choose between them. But I think the fact that Atalanta this is a tiny provincial side. They don't have the financial muscles to build a squad uh, that can compete in Europe and the Serie A. And for that, I think that they will, um, they will, they will uh, not, not, not finish fourth. Uh, I think they'll finish sixth, but um, no, I, I think Roma will finish fourth actually. And I think Lazio will finish fifth and Milan finish seventh, but it's, it's not that, you know, it's not, I just don't think there's that much between these teams. You know, I don't think it sure. will be like 88 points. I think we're talking two, three points um, between them. Um, so I think it's going to be the top seven is going to be very tight, very tight.
1: Sure.
3: Uh, and the relegation ones, uh, if, if Hellas Verona win a game before Christmas, I'll be surprised. I mean, Lecce, I <laughs> it. I mean, Lecce as well. I mean, if Lecce have 10 points uh, before... Before how midway halfway point, I'll be surprised because I just don't think they're good enough. Um, so uh, no, I, for me those two are dead last. There's no there's no discussion. Uh, then then exactly as Richard said, it is a race between Brescia, Genoa, Udinese, maybe even Sampdoria, uh, Spal. Uh, but then again, Spal, you know they've kept who they wanted to keep, um, and they're you know you, you, you they, they played some damn good football last year. So I, I still think that Balotelli won't be enough to to secure uh, to avoid relegation. Unfortunately, but having said that, I don't. As I said, I think the the those four teams um, will 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 battle it out, and it won't be much between them either.
0: Sure, I'll start with the relegation on my end. I, I mean, there's always one of the promoted teams that stays up. Um, you know, last year it was Parma. Uh, so I, I'm just going to say, Brescia is going. To, Brescia is going to stay up by default. Um, I agree with everybody. Lecce and Verona are in a battle for 19th and 20th. Um, and then the other team I'm going to relegate is Spal. Um, I think that enough. There's enough losses there with not enough reinforcements. Um, and it's just they seem to keep hanging by a thread each season. I know that they finished a little higher last year. I think they were 12th or 13th. But they're my third team to go down. Um, just think that finally it's going to, you know, it's going to catch up to them. Um, they're just not going to be strong enough. Um, and I think that Brescia might just tip them for 17th uh, and stay up over them, uh, which means Udinese stay up uh, amazingly. And I think that's just because I can't, I've seen Udinese in the in the Serie A now for so many years, I can't envision him being in Serie B, uh, no matter how much the Pozzo family ruins that team. Um but as for my top four, I've got Juventus winning the title again. I think they're going to get it done. I think it's going to be a different trajectory than last season. I think they're going to start behind, but eventually they'll catch on uh, to Saudi's tactics the way they play, and they'll they'll come from behind to win the title this season versus just winning it right out of the gate last season. I think Inter are a very close second right now, and I know I said earlier that I think Napoli might be the team that's better equipped based on the continuity with Ancelotti, but if the changes Possibly come through the way Nima is suggesting. Um, I do put Inter just a little bit ahead of Napoli. Inter is a close second. Napoli is a third that is close to Napoli is a third that's close to Inter. Uh, so I think that those three are going to be fighting for those positions. And then fourth through seventh, I agree, is going to be a dogfight for that last Champions League place. I'll just make the homer pick and give it to Milan. Um, I think Atalanta are going to drop off just a little bit with the Champions League. Uh, I think that Lazio are going to be better. Roma's just, they're a wild card for me. Um, you know, how good is Paul Lopez really going to be? He can't be worse than Robin Olsen. Uh, can they get that central defender that, that they now will put their attention on here before the Mercato closes, now that they've been able to uh, extend Dzeko? Uh So for me, I'm not ready to make Roma a top-four contender, but I'm also, I'm also ready to be proven wrong by them too because there's some very interesting pieces that they've added to this team. So I'm going to go Juve, Inter, Napoli, Milan for my top four. And again, Spal, uh, Lecce, Hellas, Verona for my bottom three. So with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of Serie A sit-down. Uh, let's give everybody a chance to uh, shamelessly plug away. And Nima, we'll start with you.
3: Oh, no, we're going to do um, um, the Serie A show we'll be doing. Um, actually, there's quite a few changes. I don't know if John already t- talked about it, but we we'll, um, we're gonna do two episodes a week, uh, one longer where we talk about the league and what happened on the weekend, and then a preview show as well. Um, we're looking to drop our homepage Serie A show as well. Uh, on Sempre Inter, we're gonna launch our app in a week or two. We're together with a premium membership, so there's actually quite nice. a bit going. I wanna Great. I don't wanna talk for hours, <laughs> but yeah,
0: <laughs> excellent, and I. I, I I enjoy your guys' show. I listen to when I when I don't when I don't listen to myself talk. I I <laughs> definitely enjoy listening to your podcast. <laughs> Thanks,
3: guys. really appreciate it. No, no, we're, we're we're very grateful for the support you've shown and everyone listening. Um, uh, everyone has shown, and we 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 really really like uh, the, we really liked where you know this idea that you guys came on and we I know I speak for Chloe and and John when saying that you know uh, it was it was great to to do this uh, little mixed mashup podcast.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, definitely we enjoyed it too. Um Richard uh been putting out some videos discussing, uh, discussing managers and tactics, really getting busy with the YouTube page. Uh, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit more about that and anything else you got going
1: on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the listeners should definitely listen, follow our uh, serious sit-down YouTube page. You know, not only are we doing the goals of the week and and some other tidbits here and there, but we're also trying to, you know, there's so many managerial changes this season. We thought you know, it would be good to uh, talk a little bit about these new managers at their new places and see how they would fit in. Uh, we already done, uh, we started out with um, Antonio Conte Inter and then Mauricio Sarri at Juventus. We just did Marco Gianpalo with Milan. Next is Paulo Fonseca with Roma, and then we're gonna go from there. Um, and then throughout the season, we're gonna you know maybe do some more managerial talks or maybe some player profiles, something like that, just to uh, find another way to engage our serial listeners, especially the, those who speak English. Um, it's just a way to try to broaden the horizons, get more people into the game, into Syria, because this is the the league we all love. Uh, and so uh, yeah, do give it a follow, do give it a subscribe, uh, leave comments on there. Let us know who else you'd want what else you'd want us to do videos on. Um, other than that, you can find me on uh, Twitter or Instagram at R underscore Excellent. You can find me at FTC underscore twenty one. I'm hoping
0: I can make a couple of technological upgrades here uh, where I could start putting together some videos as well for the YouTube page. That is at uh, A Sit Down at YouTube. Um, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. We have our own page on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, we're available just about anywhere you can, you can find podcasts. Uh, Serie A Sit Down is there. We're on Spotify. Uh, so do check us out anywhere there. Um, World Football Index uh, is the uh, backdrop uh, to the Serie Sit Down. You can go to worldfootballindex.com. Uh, anything uh about the game on a global level is covered uh just about any league you want to you know find a podcast on you're going to find it there um and uh we look forward to an excellent season uh richard season four man they keep listening so we keep coming back
1: (laughs) that's right that's right another another year another another gray hair on our heads right
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. So, and uh, Nima, uh, Nima, a special thanks to you and to John for uh, for joining us and uh, having uh, worlds collide here between uh, Serie A sit down and Serie A show.
3: You got it. It was our pleasure. Thanks. Guys. Uh,
0: all right. Well, for uh, for Nima, for John, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you for listening. Make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. <laughs>